Hello, and welcome to Voices from the Sky, a companion podcast to Sky Island Journal, an independent international literary journal where we discover and publish the finest poetry, flash fiction, and creative nonfiction from around the world. Always free to access, we publish accomplished authors side by side with emerging voices. For over 115,000 readers in 145 different countries. My name is Jeff Sommerfeld, co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of Sky Island Journal, and I'm so thankful that you decided to join us here at Voices from the Sky, a Sky Island podcast production where we delve deep into some of our favorite pieces since our journal's inception in 2017, and we go inside the minds and hearts of their creators as they help us explore their literary works more fully. If you joined us for our last episode, you were briefly introduced to Vivian Tran, the poet who wrote and delivered a reading of her poem, Ash. A little bit later in this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the creation and development of this piece, which is one of our all-time favorites since founding this journal. And Vivian will offer insights that are bound to enrich your experience with the poem itself. In the introduction to this podcast... I state how we publish established and emerging writers side by side, and Vivian is a prime example of that fact. In the summer of 2019, when she submitted and we published Ash in issue 9 of Sky Island Journal, it was her very first literary publication. We absolutely love having the opportunity to help new writers find a captive audience for their ideas, their writing, and Vivian has delighted readers all over the globe. Her official bio reads like this. Vivian Tran is a former nuclear physicist with undergraduate degrees from MIT. She currently writes for engineers and lives in the Bay Area. She is an aspiring poet, and Sky Island Journal is the first literary journal her poetry has appeared in. Vivian has such a fascinating background, which permeates into her writing in beautiful and profound ways. So at the beginning of our conversation, I asked her to talk a bit about her journey to becoming a writer. I've, I've always loved writing. Uh, as, a, as a kid in middle and high school, I wrote in my journal every day. I had this thing where I would write down something new I learned every day just to remember it better. So yeah, I've always been writing. And then I think when I went to MIT, I just felt a greater need for poetry just because my mind was so filled with math and physics and yeah, I just didn't have that creative thing in my life that I felt I needed. So got more drawn to poetry then, I think. And I have like a distinct memory of writing the prose poem for the first time, the summer between freshman and sophomore years. And it just sort of came out of me one night and it was the first thing that I like wrote and looked at and really felt like, oh, this is a poem. So I think that was kind of a defining moment for me and wanting to become a poet. Finding balance in our lives is incredibly important, and I love that Vivian found a creative outlet in writing. Next, I asked her, out of all the creative genres out there, why she gravitated to poetry. Initially, I think it's probably how short it can be. Yeah, I've never been very good at writing very long things. I just kind of don't have focus 
or memory for it. Like kind of forget like what happens earlier if I'm trying to write a story. So I think poetry is kind of the right length for me. I, I do like creative nonfiction and flash fiction as well, but the goals are a bit different. I think with poetry, it's trying to convey an idea or a things that have been like unconsciously on my mind that like I need to connect together. Uh, whereas like when I'm trying to write a flash fiction or creative nonfiction thing, it's uh, I'm trying to like remember like, what happened, my experience of it and tell a story and make sense of it. So I think the things that are happening in my mind are a bit different. And I think for me, poetry has always been just the act of writing something down has always been like very insightful. Yeah. So I think not necessarily like it has to be poetry, but I think it's just kind of what has been naturally calling out to me. I mentioned to Vivian that the brevity that often accompanies poetry strikes me as well. And so many poems can compel me to reflect long after I've read them, perhaps as a result of the deliberate scarcity of words that convey the message. Yeah, that, that reminds me of um, a creative nonfiction class I took at MIT, or maybe it was, it was an essay class, and we had a guest lecturer that year, Ta-Nehisi Coates, who's like a big writer for The Atlantic, and he started off the class by having us read a poem and just really drilled into us. The goal is to like increase the stuff-to-words ratio and just kind of tell what you need to tell, but concisely and as impactfully as possible. Vivian is starting to give us a glimpse into her formation as a published writer. And next, she'll talk about her writing process. Uh, It's always kind of different for each poem. I have a couple of things that I usually gravitate towards. When I was first started writing, uh, it was really inspiration. It just comes to you like there's a line in your head and then you you like how that line sounds and you write it down and then you look at it and reread it and then suddenly like another line comes to you and you just kind of like go down that rabbit hole what happens a lot of times and a lot of times you also get stuck in the process so I have a lot of drafts that I've never finished or things that I wrote down that wasn't really satisfied with so another thing I like to do is sometimes just revisiting them and then certain words will speak to me differently. So that's another way. And then I think reading more and going to poetry readings when I am reading like other books of poetry, I like just write down like lines or words that I really like. And then I'll try to take a look at that and maybe make a poem from it, like just rearranging all the lines and seeing what comes. It's fun because a lot of times you like get to draw new connections and those are the connections that end up being more interesting. As Vivian talks about where she gets her inspiration for writing, especially the part about being taken by lines heard while attending poetry readings, I'm reminded of an essay by C.S. Lewis, where he makes a case for listening to music. Not listening to have it fill out the background while we're doing something else, like music in the periphery while we cook dinner, or these days maybe streaming music with headphones to pump up while we exercise, but really taking the time to focus and truly listen. I have a friend who will often do just that after a long day of work. He'll sit down with one of his favorite vinyl records, clear all other distractions, and he'll key into a certain string of lyrics that may strike him, and he'll pause to write them down on a whiteboard to review and reflect on later. 
I can imagine someone like Vivian Tran seeing that whiteboard of lyrics and synthesizing it into a completely new poem. I've also noticed a through line between Vivian's comments and what we heard in the last part of our season when we met with Atib Ghoul, or even what we hear from Sandy Coomer and Steve Lambert in season one of Voices from the Sky. It's this idea that writers are often avid readers, which inspires, informs, and guides their own writing. In her next bit of commentary, Vivian offers more of her routines that help her get her thoughts from her head and down onto the page. I tend to write a lot on planes. I think that's a great time when your mind is quiet and you can't like use your phone. So it forces me to sit and be alone with my thoughts and then things usually come from that process. When I was in school and journaling every night, I like would always sit in bed, put a pillow or two on my lap and then like a notebook on top and just write about my day in a blue pen. So that's the practice that I kept up for a good like maybe 10 years, but don't really do so much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Journaling is such a powerful tool and one that I utilize in my classroom with my students regularly. Sometimes we have specific prompts and sometimes it's more open-ended. But I always tell them about the importance of being honest with themselves as they write, which is, of course, helpful in the moment. But I say, this may help you stay connected with one of the best friends you'll ever have, the person you are right now. Maybe 5, 10, 20, 40 years from now, you might look back at these journals, and they can be so valuable when examining where you came from, what you thought, what you felt, what you found incredibly important at the time and how those experiences may have shaped your future. I think of Vivian's stacks of journals and how they're like magical keyholes into her past, or as Linda Hagland from episode one of this season might call them, rich compost piles of memories just waiting to be cultivated, formed into some new written work if we just decide to dig in. Vivian also mentioned her current work, which shifted our conversation to talk about her professional life and how it relates to her writing these days. I'm a technical writer, and I work at a tech company in the Bay Area. So I am just working from home. I will meet with engineers and kind of write about what I'm learning from them. So that kind of process is something that has stayed with me for a long time, I guess. I then asked Vivian to explore some of the differences and potential similarities between her writing for engineers and the creative writing she engages in. Oh, it's so different. Yeah, with work, it's writing for other people. So the things I think about are very different. Um, It's a lot more technical. Still like challenging to convey concepts and other complex things in simple ways. So I like that. There's similarity in the effort to be concise and use simple language. But writing poetry is just writing for myself, which is a lot more comforting. There's an incredible amount of freedom and potential for self-discovery when writing for yourself. Yeah, I think writing when you're writing for yourself, it's very helpful to, as a way to just kind of get back in touch with yourself and find some peace of mind, whereas I don't really get that from writing for work. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, a lot of times at work when I'm like working on a document for too long, like my eyes is kind of based out and... Yeah, and I guess that's another difference between, for me, like with writing, like I think when I'm writing for myself, I'm usually writing by hand and it slows my mind down. Whereas when you're looking at a screen, you don't 
it doesn't really do that. Vivian has mentioned several strategies that can be helpful for writers, such as finding ways to slow down our mind, give it the space needed to create, and ways to find inspiration. So before we transition to talk specifically about the featured poem, Ash, I asked her what advice she might give for fellow aspiring writers. I'd say just keep writing, keep thinking about things. I think a lot of the work happens in our minds unconsciously and then when you really sit down to write it all comes out and it all comes together so yeah just keep trying and don't get discouraged and I think the best kind of writing is the writing that you do for yourself oh it's so true the process of writing or nearly any creative endeavor is often difficult to see because well it's in our heads it's intangible And not too long ago, I listened to an interview with John Cleese, of Monty Python fame, of course, as he released his book, Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide. He told the story about when he was a young writer, and the producers of the network would often stop by the writer's room. And if the writers were not sitting behind typewriters, literally typing, then they thought that they weren't working. But Cleese said that when he took a walk around the block, he was thinking. He was creating. He was always working. It's all part of the process. This truth that Vivian shares about creativity really shines through in her poem, Ash. So as we move our conversation to focus on the poem itself, I just want to remind you that the poem is linked in our show notes if you want to follow along. And you can also listen into our last episode to hear it in its entirety if you haven't had a chance to do so already. Now at this point, I asked Vivian to try to trace back the poem's origin and when she first sat down to write it. Yeah, I wrote this poem on a plane. I don't remember where I was going. I think it was one summer between sophomore and junior years of college. So it's been quite a while. It's been about like almost like about eight years since I wrote it, I think. So definitely it's been a long time. And I remember just kind of looking out the window and having all these things in my head that like weren't articulated into thoughts yet, but that wanted to get out somehow. So yeah, this is kind of what came from it. There were a lot of things that have been on my mind. Um, I was thinking of like my grandmother a lot at this time. So she's definitely someone I always think about when I come back to this home. And I think it kind of tries to, uh, Like in my head, I think about um, atoms and ashes and what I was learning in my physics and science classes and also what I was experiencing in real life and all the things that I could have been seeing like outside my plane window. Uh, So that's kind of where a lot of the images in this poem come from, kind of imagining like scenes from outside a plane window. Can you talk a little bit about your grandmother, her impact on your life? And then can you talk about where you find her, where you see her in this poem? Yeah. Well, the title of the poem is Ash. So I think I knew at the time she was nearing the end of her life and I was feeling sad about that. And I was just, you know, thinking about my ancestry, about the things that make people and then slowing it down to like what you become like after you die what you could have been like before you were dead so before you were even alive and yeah this kind of tries to explore that I think of the first part 
of the poem is going back in time and thinking about like, oh, like what could a Adam from her hair have been in the past and what can it be in the future? Yeah, there's a lot of memories associated with this poem, a lot of things that I don't think about too often in my everyday life. And some of the memories might be like things that I learned in school as a kid or have heard about somewhere. And then also looking out the window and seeing like all this world passing by and kind of going down into like what someone's day might look like, what the world around them might look like. And yeah, a lot of this is kind of imagined memories. And I think over time, this poem has accumulated memories of its own. I think about a lot of different things reading this again. Uh, and I feel like I have a totally different set of thoughts than I did when I was writing this. So it's hard to combine them together right now. Yeah, I feel like I could not write this today. So it's definitely like a connection to a past self. And yeah, actually, I remember like workshopping this this in class my junior year. And actually, I think it that's another memory that this poem has taken on on its own. We so at MIT my freshman year, there was the Boston Marathon bombings, which the police officer that got killed apprehending the suspect it was on or well near MIT campus at like Seven Eleven or something. That was an MIT police officer. And my junior year, they had created a memorial for him and tasked my writing class with a, or like my writing teacher with writing a poem for the dedication of the memorial. And she decided to get people in class involved. And one of the stanzas in the poem that came out of that was from the first line of the third stanza here. So yeah, it has all these memories of things that have happened. And this is why I love having these conversations. I would have never known about the backstory of this poem, Ash, and how Vivian's experience with her writing instructor in the wake of the tragedy of the Boston Marathon became part of the creative fabric that makes up its tapestry. I did a quick internet search, and Vivian helped me as well, and I found the poem that Erica Funkhauser of MIT's Comparative Media Studies and Writing Department wrote. She collaborated with her students, including Vivian Tran, several years ago for this poem called Here We Are. Of course, I'm going to link it in the show notes, but I want to read the lines that Vivian referenced. The world tells us we are finite, but our finite inclinations will touch mountaintops, ocean floors, the edge of this world, and the horizons of the human experience. Looking back to Vivian's poem, Ash, you will see how she integrated some of this creative experience to develop her own sophisticated message about human existence and so much more. So let's get into it. I asked Vivian to talk about the opening lines and how they bring readers into the literary world of this poem. Yeah, I'd say there's the sense of familiarity and also not familiarity. You know, Mayan temples, Egyptian pyramids, Roman sewers. Those are things that you've probably heard a little bit about in some history classes as a kid, but you wouldn't, maybe, you probably haven't been to all of them. Uh, you probably don't know what it looks like, So, but you can kind of imagine it for yourself. And then the next line, red apple skins, eyelash of an extinct bird. New things are getting introduced and you wouldn't have made those connections normally. So I think that's part of what the first stanza does and the part that 
I personally think really begins to draw readers in is the sour milk from your mother's ripe nipple. Just the you being introduced to your mother's ripe nipple is almost forcing like an intimacy with the reader. And then it immediately goes back to something that's not super personal, the toenail of a dinosaur. So yeah, I kind of like the tensions going on there. There's things that are familiar, but you don't personally know. And then things that you really know and things that you don't. So that's kind of where I think it gets interesting. Vivian hits the nail on the head here, talking about the tension that exists in the opening lines and the skillful balance of being a poem that's deeply personal to her, yet accessible to so many readers. I find connections in the familiarity she speaks of. And then there are times when I say to myself, now only Vivian Tran could have written that phrase. Her voice is so distinct, so strong, and I pass it off to her again to talk about what she is most proud of when she looks back at a poem she wrote nearly eight years ago and had published back in 2019. Looking back at it now, it feels more like a a journey through time and space, and I didn't really get that sense when I was writing it. So it's interesting to kind of have a different experience of it, having like some years in between to not feel so close to the poem anymore. And the language in it is really simple for the most part. And all the, almost all the lines begin with, I have or I will. So yeah, I like that repetition and easiness to it. And I like how the tense changes from the past tense to the future. And then it's not until the very last line that there's even a little bit of present tense with when the earth is integrated. Well, I guess even that's not present tense. So it's in between the space of past and future. And I think that's pretty interesting space to be and where we are, all are. So... (laughs) The intermingling of past, present, and future, the known and the unknown, it's so much a part of trying to unpack the human experience. And this poem guides us in many ways to wrestle with these ideas. I shared with Vivian how much I appreciated the way that she really sticks the landing with the closing of this poem. And I asked her why she felt it might be a satisfying finish. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, (laughs) I think it kind of does a lot of things, Um, you know, like eventually I will reach the ground, makes me think of of, of death, (laughs) but then you become one with the earth, then when the earth disintegrates, it kind of starts over in a way, you're returning home, and I think of, again, of my grandmother and coming back home to her and my family and ancestry, so there's just like a goodbye, but also a welcome back, so... Yeah, that's, (laughs) I guess, what I like about it. Yeah, there was originally, like, one more line here, but ended up taking that out. I told her how time and time again, it's the restraint and the discipline that she shows that makes this poem special. And choosing to end it when she did, and how she did, with the line, I will return home, carries a powerful action and brings us to this concept of home a term that carries all kinds of connotations for readers. It's incredibly effective as a closing line. Yeah, just the feeling of going home is just so special, um, and so do so many emotions. Yeah, another thing that's interesting is I feel like there's no like 
specific image in this poem, really. It's all very vague in a way, but kind of specific on its own. So, yeah, there's just a question of what is home and is it a specific place or is it like all these places? You can even hear through the inflection in her voice that the end of the poem leads to more inquiry, more questions than answers. But I did ask her to think about the experience of reading this poem again after several years and share what she hopes readers might take away from it, what she learned in the process of writing it back then or what she hopes to take away from it now. I would hope that for people reading this, what they they take away is probably different than what it means to me. And I think that's exactly what I would like. But for me, I guess this just brings up a lot of memories, a lot of things that I've been exploring in my head that, you know, I never really feel satisfied exploring and it, it never feels finished. So, yeah, there's, I guess, this idea for this poem of after being myself I'll I'll just be and that's okay there is something beautiful about that the simplicity of being and not necessarily being yourself anymore and I think that the comforting idea that you know in some ways is rooted in science there's no matter gets created or destroyed so where does do all the atoms go where does all the energy go it's just all kind of there still all the time and it takes on different shapes and forms and means different things to different people and yeah that's part of what poem is about it kind of starts off with a lot of things that aren't really there anymore you know we we know about like fine temples and Egyptian pyramids but those feel like things from a different time and in some ways I think this poem kind of tries to remember all the things that it can't really remember. So there's that tension there. There's things that are bigger than us, like Milky Way, but also things that could be right outside our doors with the snow and icicles. So there's a lot of conflicting like images with things that are feel super distant and things that feel super close. And I think that tension is kind of part of human experience. I can tell you one place where there was absolutely no tension. The meeting room when co-founder and co-editor-in-chief Jason Splashell and I discussed this piece. Our desire to publish it in issue 9 of Sky Island Journal was immediate. We are so thankful to be able to share it with our readers and with listeners like you. And I asked Vivian why she thought our journal might be a good home for the poem Ash. Just the title of the journal, the name of Sky Island and what you guys wrote about in the about page about like where the name comes from gave me like the same images and feelings as this poem does. So I think, yeah, that is where like it was just, oh, this could fit. And I remember you guys had like a really short response time. So that also really helped. And I'd also say, you know, like you're like submitting it and the continued correspondence from you and Jason has been, even after like submitting the piece, you still give great connections for, for these authors. And I don't know how to put it into words, but there's just such a positivity I get from you too that I've been super grateful for. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> well, the feeling is absolutely mutual, Vivian. Thank you. It has been such a pleasure to talk about this phenomenal poem with you.
Yeah, thanks so much for publishing it. And it makes me so happy to hear that you like this poem. I think that's, you know, always been my goal. I remember, like, being a lot younger and writing in my journal about, like, how I hope to get a poem published one day and reach at least one person. So it's nice to know that I've done that. Without a doubt, it is an honor to be able to share incredible works like Vivian's poem, Ash. And even more special to us, knowing that it was her first published piece. I want to offer one more note of gratitude to Vivian Tran for taking time to meet with me and share her insights. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us here at Voices from the Sky. I truly hope this piece and this conversation connected with you. We're now halfway through our second season with more tremendous writers and incredible works coming up. So we hope you'll continue to listen in. In our next episode, we'll feature a new writer and another one of our all-time favorite pieces in our journal's history so far. In the meantime, you can check out Issue 9 with Vivian's piece Ash and all of our past issues for free at www.skyislandjournal.com. As always, we'll end this episode with a final reading of the piece. And I hope this conversation has offered some additional insights to enrich your experience with it. If you like what you've heard, please consider leaving a five-star review. It helps more people find this podcast. And more importantly, it helps more people find these incredible poets and writers who we admire so much here at Sky Island Journal. To keep up with all of our episodes, you may also consider following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get great podcasts. Thanks again for joining us. And now, please enjoy Ash by Vivian Tran. Ash. I have been the dirt beneath Mayan temples, the sand inside Egyptian pyramids, the soiled waters running through Roman sewers. I have been the fiber and red apple skin, the eyelash of an extinct bird that had majestic feathers, the sour milk from your mother's ripe nipple, the toenail of a dinosaur. I have floated atop fires, turning air into distorted glasses. I have been a distant star. I have been explosions in the sky. I was swirled just beyond the short shield radius. I was picked up by a new sun. I have been part of planets and moons. I have made rock and cheese, water and air, God and art, you. I have lived and I have died. I will reach mountaintops, ocean floors, the edge of this world, and the horizons of human experience. I will perch on empty branches in morning sunshine, ripple river waves alongside heavy raindrops, soar through the air, writing sing-song sound waves. I'll get caught in a plane engine and fly in a rolling, swirling motion, against the wind, with the wind, against this planet's gravity, with the Milky Ways. I will breathe through the labyrinth with my left hand on the canal walls of your inner ear into your mind. I will sit in a tiny container by your fireplace for you to hold on to me. I will fall with snow and sleet, freeze on rooftops within dangerous icicles. I will melt into freedom once again. Eventually, I will reach the ground, become one with the earth, and when the earth disintegrates, I will disperse with it. I will return home.